Welcome to Simon Says Educate. I'm Simon, your AI host, and I'm here to guide you through the exciting world of teaching and learning at Clover Park Technical College. Together with my human co-hosts, we'll explore the latest trends and best practices in education, bringing you a fresh and engaging perspective on what's happening in classrooms and beyond. Each week, we'll dive deep into the issues that matter most to our community, interviewing faculty members, students, and other thought leaders in the field. We'll discuss everything from the newest teaching strategies and classroom technologies, to the challenges and opportunities of online learning, and the impact of education on students' lives and careers. So sit back, relax, and get ready to be inspired and informed as we embark on this educational journey together. Welcome to Simon Says Educate. Welcome everyone back to Simon Says Educate. Today we have a special episode where we are going to be looking at the Canvas Blueprint. So if you don't know what the Canvas Blueprint is, we will explain what it is and how it works. Uh, we are here today with Jeff King from the TLC. I am Ronald Letko, also from the TLC. And we have another special guest today, Brady Hageman from eLearn. So how do we want to start this conversation, Jeff? Well, I think that this is kind of a complicated situation. And if, if we think it's complicated, I think the faculty would also think it was complicated. So I think what I would like to hear for myself, and probably there's faculty would love to hear this. So I think what they would want to know is what's the difference between a template and a blueprint course? Also, how, do, how can they make decisions as a department about what how they want their courses to appear, basically. So, Brady, you are our resident Canvas expert at the college. Could you tell us the difference between a blueprint and a template? Certainly. So, a blueprint can consist of templates. But, you know, obviously, template can consist of blueprints. So, a blueprint is something that is created, and it is kind of like our roadmap. Essentially, what I do is I push it out, and that is what essentially is placed on top of the blank shells. Mm -hmm. So when instructors access their Canvas courses for the first time, what they're seeing is the blueprint. So originally, sorry for interrupting. But originally, they get a course, and there's nothing in it, right? Yes, at at the beginning of. Well, it's not at the beginning of the quarter. It's kind of in the middle of the quarter. They would get an, an a month and a, a month and a half into the quarter is when the, the next is when the next quarter released. So we're a month. So last Friday was approximately a month and a half into spring quarter. So that's when the summer courses were up. Summer shells were released, and then when we're a month and a, a month and a half into the summer is when the fall shells will be released. Okay, the shells come out, but they don't really have anything on them which is why we create the blueprint. Correct. Yes. The blueprint has everything that they need to kind of get started. Uh, yes, it's a lot. So there was a blueprint before I came here that was created by Cindy Overton and Deb Derelict, which was just a simple homepage with buttons to navigate. Um, one issue that they discovered, and I'm hoping to fix with this blueprint, is they, we we'd send the blueprint out every quarter. So then every quarter you're getting a shell with a brand new blank homepage, mm -hmm. but either faculty would ignore and just put the one for the previous quarter, or they would tailor it to, you know, a current quarter, or they would just ignore it altogether and do their own thing for better or for worse. Mm -hmm. 
what I'm hoping with this is, since this will be the very last blueprint we're planning to send out, unless there is new faculty, is the faculty can pick the blueprint they want for their homepage. And then when they make their course further on to the next quarter and so on and so forth, they can just copy it over and their home and their homepage is already done for them. They don't have to recreate it every quarter or hide it every quarter to put the old one out. They would just update the homepage that is the payment depending on the homepage that it, so I'm not going to be shipping anything out anymore. So essentially what the, so the homepage they created uh, for their summer quarter yeah. is the homepage they will have for fall and so on and so forth and so on, unless for, for, for whatever reason they want to change it. Okay. And then so in addition to, so that's the blueprint mm -hmm. for this rollout. We also included the templates, which instead of, you know, supposed to take the whole shell of the course. It's just focusing on this one homepage and they can change to a different homepage based on whatever their interest yeah. is. So, so within the blueprint, we have multiple templates for different homepages. Mm -hmm. Jeff, do you want to talk a little bit about the home, the different homepages and, and why we, we chose to give these options to the faculty? Because for some faculty, it might be a little confusing. Why does my course have these different templates, what can I do with them? Why, why should I even care about this? Yeah. So the different homepages, um, we feel reflects uh, different teaching styles. So we have uh, a homepage that's very simple. Um, and if you have, um, if you have uh, students or even faculty in your department who are new to online learning, sometimes the simple is the best way to start. Mm -hmm. um, but then we also have other, um, a couple of other templates that are based on uh, some research behind what makes for successful students in online learning. And one of them is, for instance, is based on Chickering and Gamson's um, article on best practices in uh, undergraduate education. And one of the one of the keys to success in that one is um, things like you know, uh, active learning, um, and, uh, the faculty presence in the course, uh, but also, uh, communicating time on task. So mm -hmm. one of the, one of the homepages has a, um, has a table in it that has a, a list of the modules and the topics, but then it also has, um, a place for you to put how many hours you think a student would need to apply to put into the into the course or to put into that module mm -hmm. and what that does is that tells the students about what your expectations of them are as a um as a student and then also um, allows them to uh, manage their time better mm -hmm. so time management is a, is a thing that we want to uh, these are what they call metacognitive skills where your course materials are teaching things like uh, time management, uh, note-taking, um, just study habits, things like that. And so we, ha we have a template that I feel, um, ex or not a template, we have a homepage within a template that, that um, addresses that. Uh, we also have um, alternate navigation in some of the, uh, some of the homepages. Uh, one of the home pages, for instance, will have uh, tab buttons on the top to what uh, could be frequently ac accessed content in the course. 
Uh, but also we have, um, if you have a lot of information on the page, we have a collapsible menu. It's basically collapsible um, buttons that will open content up and, and also close it. So um, it's also uh, accessible. So there's a lot of these tools that uh, faculty will bring in or course designers will bring in that will break up the information into smaller bytes, but um, may not be screen reader, screen reader friendly or mobile phone friendly. And so these are all mobile friendly, screen reader friendly, and um, address some of these pedagogical concerns we have with uh, online courses. And to do a quick shout out, if you didn't hear uh, the episode, I believe it was episode four with Brady and I, where we talk about accessibility, uh, we, we cover some of those things there as well. So making sure that the courses are accessible on both the desktop and mobile versions. I want to go into a little bit about uh, how how we structured and, and why we chose to include some of the different things into the blueprint. So I'm going to bring up the blueprint now and just kind of go over some of the different things that we added. So I'm going to go up this and then I think later on. So to make this blueprint as simple as possible, uh, by adding more things, uh, it's kind of the opposite. But we, we wanted to add in a module to the blueprint, which kind of gave the instructions for the faculty to read before they started changing anything. So we included a module called Faculty Blueprint Instructions. And then in all caps, it says, read first, do not publish. And so this module has five different pages and basically they serve as the first place for the instructors to go and check if, uh, you know, what they want to do with their course. So I won't read it for you, but I'll, I'll give you a quick summary here. So the first one is a faculty read first, and basically it goes over, you know, who we are, why, why we're using Canvas, what the blueprint is. Uh, a little bit of the difference between a blueprint and a template. And we added this message at the bottom because these are supposed to be unpublished forever. So it's strictly just for the faculty to read, learn how to do it, and then not let the students see it. So there's a message that says, as a reminder, in all caps and in red, do not publish any of these pages in this module, otherwise the students will see them. And then we wrote in the bottom, if you are a student and you see this, email the course name and instructor name to one of the emails above. Thanks in advance. Thanks in advance and have a good quarter. So this is gonna be our kind of way to check to see if the faculty are following instructions uh, on not publishing it because this whole module is not for the students to see. It's just for the faculty to understand but there's nothing stopping the faculty from deleting it after they've gotten the information out of it. Which is very true. Yeah. If if that's a very good point, and I don't think there's anything in the blueprint that says that, that once you're done, or even if you understand it already, if you want to get rid of this module, if it's in the way, if you want to either move it to the bottom or just delete the whole module, you think you understand it, then uh, 
feel free. It's not needed because it's unpolished anyways. So then there was another page where we went over um, some of the challenges that we faced, as Prady was saying earlier about uh, people that had multiple homepages from previous quarters. We also went into kind of the pedagogy of why we should create these kind of experiences through Canvas and making it easy to navigate for the students and how that's going to be beneficial to the whatever course. There's another page that just goes over kind of the frequently asked questions about um, blueprints and templates, just in case the faculty don't understand something. Then there's two more pages in this opening module. The first one is about choosing the front page. So this one is basically to go and look at the different templates that Jeff just spoke about and finding one that is good for you and your course. And then the last page goes over step-by-step -step how to change the front page. So it's got images and text step-by-step. -step. So if you had this right next to, if you had this page open next to the course and you're going through and picking a different homepage, you would just follow the list. Now I've, I've heard tell we we've, uh, we've pushed this blueprint out and it has the instructions on how to change the front page, but sometimes it doesn't work so that it's the front page that uh, people see in the course. So it gets a little technical and confusing. And hopefully that's why, that's why we brought Brady here to try to clear it up. But as it stands in the instructions, you can change a homepage to a front page but I think there's a couple other steps that you need to do so that it actually is the home page when the students click the home button. So Brady, could you go into that? Absolutely. You have you have really good uh, instructions to look at those, Ronald. Those are stellar. Thank you. On how to set to a front page. Uh, we intended when the blueprint was sent out that it would automatically put the front page as the home page. If for some reason you click in the home button on your courses and it takes you to modules, no need to fear. This is relatively simple fix. Once you have follow Reynolds directions and you have the home page set you want as the front page, you click on home and on the left side, there'll be a list of things underneath where it says publish. There'll be a choose home page on the right side. On the, on the right side. Let me hold up my hand here. Sorry. Remember, on the, on the right side, there'll be a list. Uh, first one you'll see is like importing existing content, import from commons. Then you'll see choose home page. Click on that, and there will be a five options. Yeah, five options here, and you'll want to choose second from the top says pages front page. Um, if you you can also change what your front page is from there, um, if you so choose. But that's all you need to do is click front page, front pages page. Say that five times fast, and then click save, and then your front page, which you selected, will be your home page. All right. So if they if they follow the instructions from the from the blueprint. And they've changed the whatever front page they want. They changed the name to homepage. See, it gets a little confusing when there's a homepage and a front page and a blueprint and a template. It seems like there's multiple names uh, for for various things. But to try to clear it up, we know that the blueprint is the we can call that the shell. That's like the uh, the frame of the car, right? And then the homepage that you want to change to would be these these are the templates you would look at 
And this would be like changing the color of the car based on whatever your preference is. And once you've, once you've decided on what you want your homepage to be, you're going to rename the template to homepage and then go in and click the home button and then just make sure you click choose homepage and then you can do your pages page to the homepage. I feel like I just said page like 30 times and yeah. they hope, I hope it didn't get lost in 20, 26 times. <laughs> well, so you don't necessarily, like if it, it would be simpler and easier, you don't have to rename the homepage. You don't want to, you can keep it the same name or you can rename it to anything you want. You can put it like, cause like the course, like say you're teaching like, I don't know, psychology 101 and you're like psychology 101 homepage or about uh, one of the instructors, they named their homepage about this course. Yeah, exactly. For instance, and it offers him and his course. Yeah, or well, you can not change the name at all. I know. It like, always says welcome. Yeah. And then I make welcome the homepage and, and then go through that process. All right. So that's the, that's the instructions for the faculty and how to change the homepage. I think we have one more thing to talk about. And I think, Jeff, you're going to be the expert here on this one of uh, doing the students start here module, which would serve as kind of a week zero to right. the courses. Now, this is part of the blueprint. So in everybody's Canvas course, they should have these. This module is uh, four different pages. Now, it comes unpublished because there are things that as an instructor, you need to go in and customize for your specific course. So for example, the first page is called meet your instructor. We can't push out a blueprint for everyone for, and, and we can't have the individual instructors for each of the blueprints that we push out. But, so this is where if, as an instructor, you would go in and kind of customize it to, to and personalize it for whatever you need. So uh, maybe Jeff, you can talk to about kind of the, um, the advantage of having a, a student start here and um you know putting the putting the modules together by week and having this week zero yeah so so having a, a week zero um what i found is that there's a number of courses on campus that have a week have a week zero kind of thing um shout, shout outs to all the t uh, faculty that has week zeros yeah you're doing a great job yeah and it might be called start here or week zero or just there's a number of names for it. So it's it's good to see that. But um, one of the problems that week zero solves is uh, there's sometimes a lot of things students need to know before they get started in your course. And it could be procedural things. It could be safety information. A lot of this material sometimes is in the syllabus. And like a paper syllabus or uh, an electronic document. And these syllabi can run into 13, 14 pages. Mm. And, and what happens is that uh, in the first week, a lot of students are su suffering from syllabus fatigue. And they just kind of start flipping through the pages after a while. And if you have uh, safety information in there or uh, important deadlines... Uh, it's not always the best place in the first week of the course to just read that information. Also, if you wanted a um, a uh, smaller, uh, lighter syllabus, one of the things you can do is you can move some of that essential information into your start here 
uh, section of your course, and then maybe do something like put an assessment at the end of it, or um, have have a uh, a syllabus uh, treasure hunt or a week zero treasure hunt to to uh, motivate the students to read through it. Where sometimes they may not um, they may not look at your syllabus because they'll start treating it like uh, a user agreement where they scroll to the end and click uh, I agree. Um, the other uh, the other part to that um, that week zero is um, we're able to put things in there like uh, links to student support. So if you know your student population and you and and if you've um, worked at Clover Park for a while and you know your students, you know what kind of um, challenges your students might be facing. And so those challenges could be, uh, financial aid. It could be, um, it could be technical support. So you, you can put things into that that uh, first module to um, um, to link students out to the help that they might need. So in this uh, blueprint, we have um, Canvas support featured within that, um, and we also have a, a land and labor acknowledgement. Uh, which you sometimes find in uh, syllabus, but it's also nice to have it in there uh, directly in the course as well. Um, the the Meet Your Instructor page that's in there, I'd like to say something about that because I think it's really important that faculty um, place a picture of themselves in it, to put a human face in that course. So when um, the students... Um, open up the course, they're identifying a, a human being with uh, the course rather than the uh, implacable face of the computer, which uh, um, is easy for them to, uh, well, you know, if you wonder sometimes why sometimes students can communicate in a very abrupt fashion, um, often it's because they think they're speaking to a system rather than a person. And so they're angry about the system and uh, they don't see it as a human experience. And that's what we want to do is we want to humanize our online presence. And nothing does that better than uh, a picture or a video. Yeah, I was going to say about the video. I think if you, the picture, I would say, is, is pretty necessary. But if you want to get real fancy, you could put a little intro video, maybe introduce yourself, yeah. some things that you're into maybe talk about the course that you'll be teaching. I think that um, it, it, it was something that they talked about in the AQ. That a lot of the faculty went through was making a, you know, kind of establishing that rapport from the beginning so that the students feel more invested into course. So that's some of the things that you'll see in there. And I know that I've, I talked about things that aren't in there, but um, because a lot of that is is customized work um, by you, the instructor, or work that you might want to have assistance with with uh, uh, staff from the uh, Teaching and Learning Center, which we'd be happy to help with. Um, and also, uh, what's in your week zero is going to depend on also on your teaching style, mm. and uh, so you're gonna you're gonna be customizing a lot of these things. Um, but you're not alone with any of that because uh, you you also have our support in all of that work. Yeah. And I just want to end here uh, talking about our blueprint. 
by um, bringing up the we we included a week one uh, module that can be used as kind of a template or a guide if you're interested in kind of following this week by week method. Now every course is different and every course has its own needs, but as a student who goes here and and currently taking classes and also as faculty, somebody who is teaching classes, I found that this week week by week module eliminates any confusion that the students can have because they'll know if you if you make it correctly, you'll have everything that you need for the week all in one place for the students to go. They'll have access to the lectures, um, whether they're video, maybe they're recordings from the, if you're doing the Zoom, or if you just have text or other videos for them to watch. You've got discussion if you want your students to have a discussion about whatever they're learning about. And then there's an assignment and a quiz. Now, you don't have to have an assignment every week. You don't have to have a quiz every week. But this kind of structure of giving giving the overview at the beginning, which I don't think I said, but giving an overview of what you know the goals of the week are, presenting them the lecture, giving them a chance to talk about it, and then testing their knowledge um, is, I would say, a pretty good practice uh, for the week by week going through courses. So um, that is all that I wanted to say to finish up about the blueprint. I want to thank uh, Brady for coming in again to, to, to share his expertise. Before we end this episode, it's uh, I think we forgot the past couple of weeks, but... It's back. Simon says, check it out. There we go. And the thing that I'm excited about this week is uh, a website called futuretools.io. And people are going to find this very ironic because I've been talking a lot of smack about AI um, lately. But it's mostly about uh, the direction that the commercial companies are taking with student data and things like that. One of the things I like about futuretools.io is I was able to go there and you can select tools that you want to, that you want to do for specific projects. Now I'm interested in open source. So openly licensed materials because of the transparent, um, way that they handle data. Um, that's important to me for, for FERPA issues and just common sense. Um, but anyway, um, by, by going to future tools, you can select open source and it'll tell you the different tools that are open that use, um, AI generative, um, programs. And if you were at the, if you were at the, uh, in-service, uh, what I did was I went to futuretools.io, looked for a tool that would animate a still image. And that's how we made, uh, Simon, uh, dance in our uh, in our, our PowerPoint. So that was, um, a very interesting, um, collection of tools. And it's very interesting that you brought up future tools. because without talking to each other, this is a website that we, uh, we both know about and have been to. Um, I was going to talk about Matt Wolf, which is uh, the person that you can find on YouTube that actually is the creator of future tools. And, um, I will suggest Wolf as someone to go and, you know, especially if you're interested in any sort of generative AI, 
Um, he goes over, you know, some of the new tools, talks about the news. That's not my recommendation because that's kind of like onto yours. Um, I do want to recommend if you do have ChatGPT and you've been exploring and, um, you know, fiddling around with it, uh, at the time of recording, if you are a ChatGPT Plus user, they've un they've unveiled they've unveiled two uh, additional things in beta to use with ChatGPT for. One is internet search. So maybe you've tried Bard or Bing, but now inside of ChatGPT you can um, search the internet. And then also they have a thing called the plugin store and it's got maybe a hundred different plugins from all different types of uh, websites or they've got games. They've, you know, if you want to play chess with ChatGPT, you can run the chess plugin and you can actually have a, a game using the ChatGPT interface and using the large language model, um, which I think... I mean, I've, I've kind of experimented with some other ones, and I, I think still, even though some of the things are behind, ChatGPT is still the, the king of the generative AI. So I would recommend checking out those plugins if you have uh, ChatGPT+. Oh, uh, you know what? I'm going to do it. If it's all right, I'm going to do a plug instead. A recommendation. You're gonna do a plug. I'm gonna do a plug after I just talked about plugins. Okay, it's <laughs> it's a really good, uh, really good. So, um, many may not know, I am one of the co-advisors for the gaming club here on campus. And um, we don't really have a whole lot of, how should I put it, student presence. We have a president and a treasurer and a couple of students who show up. So I'm wondering, do students even know that this club exists? I've, I've never seen any advertisements for it. So if I, I wouldn't have known about it if you hadn't told me about it. So... So, yeah, so I want to just like throw that out to faculty to encourage them, just like for any clubs. I'll probably know all the the clubs going out there. I know that this club is one that isn't necessarily, oh, how I want to put it, like it's like a nursing club and and such. So this is a, this is a club that doesn't fit into that. I know there's a robotics club, but this is a club that kind of doesn't fit into educational, if you will. Like it doesn't directly tie to a program. So, so anybody, what you're saying is anybody, any student that yeah. wants to, and are our faculty allowed to come, or is it strictly just students? Um, to be a club member, you have to be a current student, and you have to want to be in the club. Oh, that's pretty much like the two the two requirements. Our president literally said is like if they're a student, they go like I'm in the gaming club. I'm like that's it. That that's all it requires. Like you technically don't have to show up to the meetings, but I would encourage you to show up to the meetings. We we've actually canceled. The decisions been made to cancel in-person meetings just due to a very poor lack of attendance. But we're going to be we're going to be doing uh, online meetings. Uh, I don't know the time and date yet. Hopefully, I'll know that soon. But that's going to be on Discord. Okay. We'll be doing online meetings on Discord. If you have a student that you think is into games, maybe let them know about or, games. Or, or you know what? I would also say that. It's important for faculty to talk to students about clubs in general because what you want is you want our students to have a connection to campus. That's right. It helps create community um, within those clubs. The, the clubs, even if it's like a, a, a ski club or a tennis club or chess club, what happens is the students talk to each other 
and it's an opportunity for them to find out um, other things about the campus, where do they go to get problems solved, things like that. So anything that we can do to increase community on campus is going to help with student success and student retention. And for the students, you can make lifelong friends. I, I have a lot of, I, I was in a couple clubs in in my undergrad, and um, I still talk with a lot of those people that I uh, was in the club with. So shout out to clubs. Good uh, good recommendation. Y'all should check out the, the, the clubs that are on Clover Park. Yes, absolutely. And if you have any questions about the gaming club, you can reach out to me as I am one of the co-advisors. It's not just video games. It's also about board games, card games. Uh, we held a gaming night where we actually ran some D&D sessions. I was at that, and it was quite fun. So, all right. Well, that concludes this episode of Simon Says Educate. I want to thank you all again for taking the time to listen. And uh, we will talk to you all next time. And that wraps up another insightful episode of Simon Says Educate. Thank you for joining us today as we delve into the fascinating world of teaching and learning at Clover Park Technical College. We hope you've enjoyed the conversation and gained valuable insights to inspire your own educational journey. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform, so you won't miss any of our upcoming episodes. Remember to join us again next week as we continue to explore innovative strategies and share inspiring stories from the CPTC community. Until then, I'm Simon, your AI host, reminding you to never stop learning and growing. Take care, and see you next time on Simon Says Educate.